Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. It's Friday, and Duralast batteries are designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I, as always, am buckled up and ready to roll for three hours of fun here with you guys. And uh, maybe Dallas Cowboy fans are feeling a bit more optimistic about their chances of running the table. Last night, Thursday night football, kicking off the 12th game of the season for everybody. I believe all the bye weeks are over now. Cowboys and Redskins both entered at 5-6. and six. The team that were uh, left with the win was going to be still somewhat alive. And guess what? The Cowboys got the win to get to... Six and six. Now they finish with at the Giants, which you would think should be a win against Geno Smith next week, especially with extra time. Then they finish with the Raiders. Okay, well, on the road against the Raiders, probably the most difficult game left on the schedule. Then they go uh, against the Seahawks, but at least the Seahawks are at home. Obviously, that would be a very difficult game as well. And then they finish on the road against the Eagles. But what you would hope there, if you are a Cowboys fan, is that the Eagles have nothing to play for and have already locked up certainly the division, but also have already locked up potentially the number one overall seed in the NFC. And they are resting their starters in that game, and it doesn't matter. Then potentially you could get to 10-6. and six. Now 10-6 and six still might not be good enough to make the, uh, the NFC playoffs as a wild card, but that is at least inhaling distance for Cowboy fans out there, not to mention that I believe I'm correct when I say you would get Ezekiel Elliott back for the final two games of the season. So to me, I would circle that game against the Raiders as the uh, as the one that's probably maybe the most difficult, honestly, just because you're on the road 
and you don't have Ezekiel Elliott back. So I, I think certainly the Cowboys should win against the Giants to get to seven and six, and then they'll come back home against uh, the or, sorry, go on the road against the Raiders in what would certainly be a must-win game for both teams because neither of those teams would have uh, any at all any leniency left in the schedule to be able to lose. All right, so that went on in Monday Night Football. The other uh, details that continue to kind of grab the universe of sports by the scruff of the neck and won't let them down is the coaching search season in college football. And we've got potentially a fascinating situation developing at Tennessee where reports are that Mike Leach had a um, had a good meeting with everybody at Tennessee and the head coach of Washington State could could potentially be able to uh, to be the next coach at Tennessee the meeting went well they met in LA yesterday or the, all the reports so we will see this would be I think a fantastic hire for the University of Tennessee. I thought Tennessee should have considered him, and I wrote this at the time, back when they fired Phil Fulmer and ended up hiring Lane Kiffin. Mike Leach was a much ballyhooed candidate at that time. He was coming off an 11-2 season at Texas Tech and had gone 7-1 and in the Big 12. Uh, Mike Leach, this has been one of the great questions that people have always asked what would Mike Leach do at a legitimately big football program? He's won at Texas Tech. He's won at Washington State. The last three years at Washington State, Mike Leach is nine and four, eight and five, nine and three, and he's been six and three, seven and two, six and three in the Pac twelve. So what would he be capable of if he went to a big time program? He's been a head coach for a long time now in two kind of college football backwaters uh, in uh, Texas Tech and Washington State. Not to say, I know we got people listening who are fans of those programs, as always, not to say that you shouldn't be a fan of those programs, just that I think even people who are fans of those programs would say, yeah, we're a little bit on the outer edge. We're not necessarily the team that gets that much attention. Meanwhile, there are also reports that Jimbo Fisher could be introduced as the next head coach of Texas A&M today. Uh, there is, I, I think I saw, it's always tough to keep up with all these different flights and flight awares and everything else. There are reports that there is a jet taking off in um, in early this morning, right about now, honestly, to leave uh, from Tallahassee and go to College Station, potentially to have Jimbo Fisher announced. It seems strange that he would be announced and then come back and coach Florida State on Saturday against Louisiana Monroe. Remember, Florida State rescheduled that game. Winning it would get them bowl eligible. They're almost a four-touchdown favorite, but this is the silly season in college football. That would then open up the Florida State job, which would theoretically draw an awful lot of attention uh, from everyone out there. So, if Mike Leach could be finalized, this long, winding, drunken search by Tennessee could be successfully consummated and I think everybody out there would have to say you know what man Mike Leach is a lot better than Greg Schiano. he's got a lot longer track record as a head coach he's done it at two different programs he has coached in two different regions of the country and he'd be returning to the south and I think everybody would have to be pretty ecstatic about that result now the way the Tennessee coaching search has gone who actually knows 
what the end result is going to be. Uh, but I said this morning that – yesterday morning, sorry, on this show – that I thought there were four guys that Tennessee should focus on and get one of these four at this point in time. One of those guys, Mike Leach. Another one, Bobby Petrino. Another one, Kevin Sumlin, who Tennessee has been uh, purported to reach out to. Whether that's actually happened or not, no one has actually confirmed it. And then you look at those three guys, and then you add Lane Kiffin. And obviously we had Lane Kiffin on this show earlier this week. I think all four of those guys would come to Tennessee, and I think they all four would be really good hires. And if Tennessee can get Mike Leach done, and I say if, because so far the way this search has gone, nobody has any idea what might happen. If Tennessee could get this done, then I think the storyline would become the University of Tennessee fan base ensured that their head coaching search was not a disaster, that they managed to get a good coach as opposed to Greg Schiano or Dave Doran, who frankly the fan base didn't want. Fan base would have been fine with Mike Gundy, Jeff Brom, and now with Mike Leach. So with Tennessee on their fifth choice here publicly that they have been connected to, this would be a a fantastic conclusion to what has been a totally woebegone search uh, to, uh, to, to, to say nothing, uh, which is probably being easy going. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. John Campbell with us now. He's at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Yeah, John, let's start there with the SEC title game. What's the impact of on Johnson's health for Auburn in terms of this overall line and what it suggests about the game? Well, oddsmakers will tell you it's about worth about a half a point to a point, but for me, it's worth a lot closer to a field goal. And I just think he is the most impactful running back in the nation uh, to the point spread. And, and it's because of those yards he can get after contact and after the tackle. So uh, it's going to be a big loss here. And I think if this line goes to three, I'm, I'm going to be looking for Georgia. But I really do think Jared Stidham is the best QB in the SEC. So he can go out and win this game on his own. But uh, he's used to working with Carrion Johnson, and he's been absolutely phenomenal for Auburn. Yeah, look, I mean, Jared Stidham over the course of the year, and I've talked about this before with Auburn, every time they have com- competed at a really high level for a championship, in 2010 with Cam Newton, uh, and then again with Nick Marshall in 2013, the team has gotten progressively better as the season has gone along in Gus Malzahn's offense. And a big part of that has been the quarterback play. And the difference between Jared Stidham in week two going up on the road against Clemson and what we're seeing now from Auburn is night and day. And I think that's likely to continue. Now, would Jared Stidham be capable right now of carrying this Auburn offense on his back without a great running back behind him? That's the challenge. Uh, so you think at three you like Georgia – and, uh, and obviously the Bulldogs are licking their wounds from what happened to them on the Plains a few weeks ago and, uh, and feel like they're in a pretty good shape because Georgia has to be ecstatic at the opportunity in year two to get to 12-1 and one and make the college football playoff under Kirby Smart. Yeah, and it's just so tough to beat these top defenses twice in a season in the SEC. So, so that's another thing. I think Georgia's actually gotten a little bit better since they played Auburn. I really think Auburn, when Carrion Johnson is healthy, is the best team in the nation. So if he's there uh, and healthy, I, I, I like Auburn again. But, boy, it's tough to beat these teams twice in a row. 
All right, let's talk about the Big Ten title game. We've got Ohio State playing against Wisconsin. That line has stayed right around a touchdown. Ohio State around a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Wisconsin fans feel like they're being disrespected. Ohio State fans feel like they should make the playoff. At least some of them do if they win this game. What do you see? Well, I like Wisconsin here, too, and uh, the knock on them is their schedule, of course. But I, I love this defense, and, and I think – I like the points a lot. I do think they're going to upset Ohio State as well. And another big injury concern here with uh, JT Barrett uh, for Ohio State with his knee. I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to play. It sounds like he's good to go, but uh, I think that's going to hurt Ohio State coming into this one. I think uh, Wisconsin's going to surprise a lot of teams. Another thing I talked about on our podcast this week is the best thing for the Big Ten here is that Wisconsin wins this game. They go to the playoffs if they win. It's easy. So I won't be surprised if Wisconsin gets the better, the benefit of the doubt on calls and things like that if things tend to go their way a little bit. I'm not saying it's fixed at all, but I'm just saying everybody knows that it's a better situation for the Big Ten if Wisconsin wins this game. Not only that, it's a better situation for the college football playoff committee because it avoids having to alienate forever probably one of the two fan bases, either Ohio State or Alabama, which are both very large and very powerful on the college football uh, landscape. Okay, let's go to the Big 12. Any reason to believe that TCU can pull off the upset over Oklahoma? We're focused a lot, I think, in the college football community on the impact of the Big 10 title game, not a lot on the impact of the Big 12 title game. What happens here? I think it is possible for TCU to pull off the upset just because Oklahoma's defense is so soft, and in particular up front. And uh, so it is possible, but this is a bad matchup for TCU. It is a really good defense, but they're better against the run. They're not that great against the pass, and, and that's not good against Baker Mayfield. So I'm leaning to Oklahoma here just because it's kind of a bad matchup for, for TCU. Uh, but they can win because of that Oklahoma defense. That's why Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. So, so it is possible. I'm leaning to laying the points in this one, uh, and, and I do think Oklahoma is going to win. Does Miami have any chance to pull off what is nearly a double-digit upset over Clemson, particularly considering this is effectively going to be a Clemson home game in North Carolina? Well, I, I don't. I think Clemson's definitely going to win this game, but I think this line is now a little bit inflated. This Miami defense, as we all know, is really, really good. And uh, heading into last week's game, before Miami played Pittsburgh, the projected line for the ACC championship game was six and a half. And now it's nine, nine and a half. So I think this line's inflated uh, by about three points here with this one. I would have loved Clemson at, at, at minus six and a half. But now that it's up, getting closer to double digits, I think it's too many. I think Miami's defense will keep them in this one. SC going up in the Pac-12 doesn't look like it's going to have any ramifications on the larger college football playoff. But USC playing Stanford, USC dominated Stanford earlier in this season now they're only around a three-point favorite last I checked what do you see in this game well I think both teams have have made huge improvements and and Stanford in particular at the quarterback position with KJ Costello but uh, USC this team is is a lot different uh, over the last four games because they've been taking way better care of the football through their first eight games they had they had 18 turnovers lost and through their last four games, they only have four turnovers lost. And that's completely changed this team. So I'm, I'm leaning USC. I also took a prop on this game to go to overtime at 9-1. to one. I think it'll be close, but I think USC does uh, pull off the cover. 
Are there any other of these conference title games that to you are particularly intriguing, whether it's Conference USA, whether it's the AAC? What, what else to you kind of stands out? Uh, well, that's a huge spread in the MAC title game, up to three touchdowns. I think we'll see that one come back down, which I think is the right move there. So, uh, so I'm leaning towards taking the points there. I just think it's way too many for a conference championship. All right, let's move to the NFL. And uh, well, before we get to the NFL, how much does a college football coach change the line? You know, there's obviously been this obsession over Jimbo Fisher going to A&M. It looks like it's going to happen. Uh, Tennessee has just kind of been drunkenly bouncing around from one coach to another. How much does a coach change the line? Well, he can move the line significantly when it comes to futures and things like that. And uh, I, I did some articles at the start of the season uh, it, based on how Nick Saban's Alabama performs on the road at, versus at home and how Urban Meyer's Ohio State performs on the road versus at home. And it's every bit as much the coach with those guys as it is the team. So you can see it, it takes a little while, uh, but for for that elite handful of coaches they they can have a significant significant impact on the odds all right let's go to the nfl there are a couple of what i think are really big games a lot of uh, maybe duds uh, as we run through this uh, this week of the nfl's action but when you look at the nfl slate this week which gu- which games jump out at you well, uh, there, there's a few that seem to be coming in every week, and uh, the New England Patriots is one of them. Oddsmakers just seem to be giving away free money every week with these guys. They've covered five in a row. They're only laying eight or nine, uh, depending on where you look, against Buffalo. New England's 20-6 and six against the spread in their last 26 games. Which is, by the way, in- hard to do for a team that's a public favorite like New England, right? I mean, to, to go 20-6, and six, they're constantly exceeding what should already be a high bar of expectation absolutely it's unbelievable we, we've never seen anything like it in in the nfl and maybe pro sports it's just unbelievable and there are a few other teams you can depend on the eagles have covered eight in a row denver's failed to cover seven in a row so uh so i'm on the pops until they let me down uh I, i'm taking the vikings again take the vikings when the spreads are small they're 30 and 10 against the spread when uh, slated anywhere between a three-point underdog and a three-point favorite so uh, I'm on the Vikings again. I'm looking more to underdogs because the favorites have been coming in so heavily. So those are a couple I like this week. What do you see? Uh, so you mentioned a couple of these games, like the Vikings and the Falcons. You like the Vikings. That's a massive game, 9-2 and two, Minnesota going up against 7-4 and four, Atlanta. And you also obviously like the Patriots against the Bills, the Bills trying to stay alive in the AFC wildcard uh, race. What about another big game that, that I think has a lot of intrigue? That's in the NFC South. The Panthers going on the road against the Saints. Both teams are 8-3. and three. Yeah, we're really interesting one there, and a lot of love for the Saints this week. I know um, they seem to have those injuries back on defense, which is a huge con- concern for me. I was on the Rams last week because of those injuries. Their defense has completely fallen apart. The, the Panthers just have this way of, of staying in games and covering games this year. We saw a crazy cover with them last week. I'm leaning to Carolina because of that defense. I think they can keep it close, which is really hard to do, and I'm not sure how good this defense is going to be for, uh, for, for the Saints with those injuries. I think it should be a field goal or less, so, so I like the Panthers. What's the impact of uh, Eli Manning getting benched and in, in, in Geno Smith starting now for the Giants? I know the Giants haven't been good, but they are 2-9, and nine, and the Raiders now, and the Raiders obviously haven't had a great season, are nearly a nine-point favorite. Did that line move substantially when Eli got benched and basically took himself out for the rest of the year? 
Yeah, I'm sorry, Eli fans, but Eli is worth zero to the point spread right now. And uh, I, I don't understand the outrage. I get it from a loyalty standpoint and all that sort of thing, but he's just not worth anything to the spread right now when you make that change. And part of that, of course, is, is all the, the star power injuries that they've had. And I don't know that any other quarterback is going to come in and, and, and change things, but there's just not that much of a difference. He can't really do anything with his talent level and the way he's playing to uh, to change a game. So there's no real impact in terms of that one uh, for Eli. John Campbell, appreciate the time, my man. Enjoy the uh, the final week of uh, – it's it's not the regular season, but it still does kind of feel like the regular season in college football with the conference title games. We'll know who's in the playoff. If you had to pick right now, last question for you. Do you think – let's presume that Ohio State beats Wisconsin. I know you said you like Wisconsin. And let's presume that the favorites win everywhere else. That would put us in Ohio State versus Bama. Who do you think the committee would pick? Uh, Alabama. Yeah. And Alabama deserves it. For sure. Uh, outstanding stuff as always. Go follow him on uh, Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. Go check out Oddshark gambling and informational related needs. Appreciate the time, my man. Thanks, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Here is the one thing that I do think is potentially a major landmine. We talked about this, and I haven't heard hardly anybody else discussing this at all. There are So how does the college football playoff get picked? And by the way, you guys can call in if you want to break down scenarios or you want to ask me questions. 877-996-6369. I think I can do a pretty good job of pretty much answering any scenario you could have. 877-996-6369. But I want you guys to follow me here. A lot of people just look at the final ratings and they don't think about how they come about. Well, this college football playoff is selected by 13 people. 13 people vote. And whatever their vote is, is how we end up with the playoff that we get. This year, three of those guys are likely to have conflicts that don't allow them to vote. So, Mike Leach, Mike Leach, uh, we've got, uh, Mike Leach is on the brain because of his uh, connection to the University of Tennessee job. We got Frank Beamer, whose son is on the Georgia squad is a coaching member of the Georgia coaching staff, so he has to recuse himself if Georgia is involved. The athletic director at Clemson and the athletic director at Ohio State are also involved. Now, you can say, why in the world do we have sitting athletic department heads anywhere on the college football playoff committee? And I think that's a fair question because they have a ripe conflict of interest, even if their teams aren't involved. But in this situation, it's likely that Clemson's involved and there's a pretty good chance that Ohio State is involved as well. So three guys have to recuse themselves. I'm not a mathematical expert, but 13 minus 3 leaves us with 10. What happens, and I've been talking about this with several people in the know all week. I said, what happens if we end up with a 5-5 to tie? If five people vote Ohio State 5, and if five people vote Alabama 5 in the fourth playoff spot. I said, what happens then? And this blew my mind. Do you know how they break the tie? They have to stay in the room and keep arguing until somebody changes their mind. This, I, mean, I, I, I don't know that the average college football fan knows this. Again, there's a good chance that if it's Alabama versus Ohio State, that only 10, uh, 10 members of this committee are able to vote, and they potentially could end up tied 5-5, five to five, 
and the way that you resolve who the fourth team is is by having a debate in the room until someone agrees to change their mind. Is that not absolute insanity? With all of the tens of millions of dollars at stake, that they would just sit there in the room and argue until someone decided, you know what, when I ranked Alabama or Ohio State 5, I was wrong. Let me recalibrate and go back and change my vote. I am just blown away by this fact. Does this blow you guys' mind, Jason Martin, Danny G, Justin? Like The idea that the tie break is you just sit in a room and argue longer until somebody changes their mind this is an unbelievable way to pick a college football playoff. Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of how you would do it in a jury room as well when you're trying to decide and you have to move somebody to the other side. But the problem here is this just seems ripe for corruption. A hundred percent. Because of the yep. lack of transparency behind closed doors. And, and, and Who you speak knows up, what gets traded? You speak about that lack of transparency, which I think is a good point. How do they not release the ballots of every one of these voters? They do that in the college football uh, coaches poll. They do it in the AP poll. They do it. They did it in the Harris poll. I think you, if you were going to be doing a ranking and it determines who gets to play for the playoff, I think people should be able to see the actual ballots themselves and know what people decided. Now, I understand why some of the playoff committee members might be like, oh, I don't want the pressure that would come from that. Well, deal with it. You agreed to be on the committee. You should have to release your ballot to make sure that you're not trying to tank somebody. Because here, hey, here's what could happen. Somebody in that room could decide to rank, like we are all saying, oh, what if it comes down to 11-1 Alabama against 11-2 Ohio State, and everybody out there in the nation agrees that those two teams are going to be 4-5. and five. Well, what if a couple of people decide to set the fix in, and they make the other team 6? So they don't even have them at 4 or 5. They drop them to 6 to try to hurt their overall standing. I mean, that's strategic voting, and to me, that's why we need the ballots to be released. Can you guys believe out in L.A. that this is the way you would solve a problem, is that potentially we could end up with a 5-5 to tie, and by the way, maybe there's 11 voters, then it's 6-5. to I mean, it's just one guy deciding who plays for the college football playoff at that point in time. No, when you first explained this right now, it sounded almost like you were joking, and it kind of is a joke. Are you telling me there is no better way to, to figure this out in case of a tie? No. I mean, I asked. I was like, what What happens if they tie? And the resolution, if they tie on a playoff team, and I think it would happen here in the Alabama versus Ohio State example, is they just sit in the room and argue until somebody agrees to switch their vote. And then you talk about, Jason Martin's right, you talk about corruption, then there's tens of millions of dollars at stake for different conferences and people are standing up making the argument for why you should be on the side of Alabama or why you should be on the side of Ohio State. And I'm just using this as an example in the Alabama versus Ohio State scenario. You could have a scenario where it's Ohio State versus Oklahoma versus TCU. And everybody's out there debating. And you also end up with a deadlocked jury room, effectively. I haven't heard anybody else talk about this, but... I think if you read the tea leaves, there's a decent probability something like this could happen. Is I, I think a lot of people driving around in their cars right now, starting off their mornings, they're like, there's no way this could possibly be true. No way. 
Paul Pabst calls it, called in. He's up next on the Dan Patrick Show. What did he have to say, Jason? He was talking about the argument with the SEC and the Big Ten. We were going 1-14, to 14 and you kind of came up and said 10 of those games would be won on the spread by the SEC. For those who weren't in the car earlier or weren't listening or, or whatnot, we had Todd Furman, our Vegas guy, um, break down SEC versus Big Ten 1-14, to 14, and he said the SEC would be favored in 10, the Big Ten would be favored in 3, and we'd have one push – and Bama would be a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Ohio State on a neutral field. Yeah, so basically he was saying, he was like, look, even if they don't win, regardless if the SEC wins, they're the ones that generally have the stories and the overabundance of media coverage surrounding the circus because of the drama and the pageantry and all of the other things that go into SEC football. The Big Ten just doesn't get that kind of coverage because that almost television drama-level entertainment doesn't exist and he compared the SEC being kind of America's conference to the Dallas Cowboys being America's team where I don't know how many opinion shows you watch but the ones that I see I don't know how many of them begin with Dallas Cowboys discussions even when they have a sub 500 record just because of the drama and Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett and Des Bryant and all of these other kinds of situations that changes the game and he seems to believe And look, I think there's something to this, that the SEC does get a whole lot more coverage because it's box office and because the people there care so much more and because I would suggest it's more entertaining. I don't know because I don't know whether or not that would affect lines. No. Like, I don't know. I I don't think that that would affect lines. If if the odds makers are wrong on the lines, then they get murdered, right? I mean, so that's why, to me, Vegas is the most reliable place to go look at what, who, how to break down different teams. Because if the odds makers hang a bad line, they lose tons of money. And so public perception sometimes can factor in, but public perception doesn't protect the shop from getting killed if you are setting the lines in gambling. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Uh, Doug Gottlieb weighing in. You can hear him from 3 to 6 Eastern on Fox Sports Radio. What's up, my man? Why do you keep saying Bobby Petrino? Like, that's like a legit possibility. Oh, he would kill. Dude, why do you, like, you realize that he's completely unhireable. No, I think, <laughs> like, I oh, think that he would win. He, he, violated a, federal, he violated federal and state hiring practices, hiring his side piece. Well, be, he already got two jobs since then. He got Western I, I Kentucky and he got it's Louisville. Like, like, I'm just, if you, like, so, so what you're saying, like, you had a problem with, with double hearsay in regards to the Penn State thing with Shiano, and you got no problem by Petrino. I don't have I don't have a problem with people who make personal bad decisions that hurt them. Like I was perfectly fine with Bill Clinton being president for as long as he wanted to be president. As long I didn't care about him having an affair with Monica Lewinsky because that was between he and his wife. To me, Bobby Petrino having an affair with a twenty-something mistress—it wasn't just an affair. Well, yeah, like but, you're just you're mischaracterizing it. Plus, no. you're you're forgetting what he did when he was at Auburn as offensive coordinator. What he did the last time he's rounded Louisville. He would he would know, win. How he he would win at a high South. level, like, and his failings well, man, are all of a of a personal degree. Look, if if you if you hire Bobby Bobby Petrino, and he is a good coach, okay, he's a very good offensive coach. Then you're basically saying, well, win at all costs. Nothing else matters. That's what you're that's what you're telling people. And no, so, no, no. Like, look, I think there's like, a difference between 
what happened allegedly with – and I don't want to get into Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano is a crappy coach. First of all, let's start there. He hasn't no, won not. at the you, same listen, level. He that, hasn't won anywhere you, near the same level you know, that Bobby Petrino is. Yes. I, we get, Doug, i got to get to my picks. What else? Okay, I know you got to get to your picks. I also think I, – I love and I love Todd Furman, but, like, Oklahoma would be is, – is below Ohio State when Oklahoma stomped Ohio State. Stomped them in their house earlier this year. So I, I like you – value what vegas says but come on man they, like i saw them play on ohio state's home field well i think that gets that's an interesting point uh and listen to doug doug's got a great show three to six uh eastern every single day on fox sports radio part of the best lineup of talent that has ever existed in the history of national radio and frankly espn radio is basically dying because of the lineup of uh, talent that we have put together uh i agree with doug there i mean i think that's where the balancing act gets between to me, every time you decide a playoff, you have to balance best and most deserving. And if you have seen one team beat another one on the field, then that is the tie break, even if that was an upset and you don't think it would happen again, right? So I think that because Oklahoma beat Ohio State by 15 on the road in the shoe, there's no way that Ohio State can get in above Oklahoma. I think that's true. Now, the challenging factor would be Clemson versus Auburn, right? Using that same analogy. I think you can make the argument that Jarrett Stidham is a lot different player now than he was in September. I think Auburn is an infinitely better team now than they were back in um, back in September, but that would be a challenge as well if Clemson were to lose to Miami and Auburn were to be 11-2 and two and go to the playoff even though Clemson beat them head-to-head. That's where that that's where that logic kind of gets thrown on its face because I think most of you would say, you know what? I think that Auburn at eleven and two has to be in. Does Clemson at eleven and two losing to Miami? Do you put two ACC teams in? I think that gets really tough. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, 
It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.